This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. And welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is your 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. PD Pob, and with me, I have zero guests because this is actually the introduction to an episode that we recorded earlier in the month. Uh, basically, this was a really good episode. Uh, I've been saving it for when uh, I needed uh, an episode in the can. And this happens to be one of the busiest times of the year for frontline gaming. Uh, so right now, I am probably working really hard, uh, shipping mats out, getting secondhand shop stuff ready to go, processing orders, and all that good stuff. So what that means is, uh, this is going to be a pre-recorded episode. Uh, it's not going to be current with the times. We're not going to talk about tournaments or anything like that. But the subject is really, really good. Um, and it was a subject that I've always wanted to talk about Uh you know, since I started the podcast, but obviously I didn't really have a lot of credibility going into the subject. Um, but that is the idea of physical fitness and how mental and physical preparation and health right before a tournament can increase your ability to do well in performance. So, you know, there's a lot of research that I did on this topic and there's a lot of research in general into how you can take care of yourself, how diet, nutrition, uh, a healthy mental state, how all of that goes into preparing for um, competition or for your competitiveness. Um, so I, I think it's a really important topic. Uh, and I kind of stayed away from the idea of a lifestyle change episode. Um, you know, we have someone in the studio, uh, Jason Butler, the Salty Banana, if you listen to Signals from the Frontline. Um, who's actually lost a lot of weight, has really changed his lifestyle and really turned his life around. And and I'm not saying that's something that I won't talk about or I don't want to talk about, um, but I just feel like for one podcast episode, that would be too broad of a topic to focus on. Uh, if you're interested more in lifestyle changes, I highly recommend hitting up one of the guests who I, I'm going to get to in a second, I promise. Um, so if you're interested in that, I, I recommend hitting him up. Um, he's an expert in his field. He's really good at helping people turn their lives around and getting getting them in a healthy, you know, lifestyle and a healthy mindset. Um, so for now, this episode will focus primarily on what you can do currently right now to prepare for a tournament. So it's 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 not a lifestyle thing. It's a it's an episode that's good for anyone who's looking to perform better um, or anyone who wants to, to 
do well, get that extra competitive edge. Uh, and it, you know, anyone of a, in any physical condition, whether, you know, you're, you're like me and you're not the healthiest person or you're really physically fit. Uh, these are th- tips and tricks that you can do to improve your competitiveness for a tournament. Um, it, you know, talks diet talks about, uh, we, t- you know, what they, they talk about um, things that maybe you don't necessarily consider uh, how much caffeine is appropriate, if caffeine is even appropriate, um, and et cetera, et cetera. It's a really, really good episode. There's a lot of really good stuff in this episode that we talk about, uh, and I'm really excited to share it with you guys So and gals. So before we move on to it, uh, real quick, I'm just going to plug the Patreon. If you'd like to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash chapter tactics and you know, help us out. Uh, right now we're doing a giveaway, a patron exclusive giveaway that, uh, we had for patron appreciation day, which was last week on Tuesday, uh, November 18th. Um, so, uh, you're at November 19th, whenever you're listening to this, it it was last week on Tuesday, November 18th, the 19th, whichever day that is, I don't have a calendar in front of me. Uh, so, uh, you know, I I decided to do a special giveaway for the patrons. They voted on something else that they would like, and we're going to end up doing a battle report between co-hosts. So if you're interested in that, you want to check out some of that exclusive content as well as some of the exclusive episodes that we have for patrons, go to patreon.com slash chapter tactics and consider supporting us. Uh, Also, if you're interested in getting an FLG mat, you can go to frontlinegaming.org and buy an FLG mat at a discount. We've got really good Black Friday deals going on right now, as well as a brand new orc terrain that was, uh, you know, put on hiatus earlier, but we brought it back. So you can get that orc terrain and you can get discounts on our terrain as well. So, Go to Frontline Gaming Dorg and check that out. And then finally go to Signals or go to the Frontline Gaming Network where you can check out the other podcasts on our network like The Art of War, 40K Stat Center, Signals from the Frontline, and of course, Chapter Tactics. Uh, okay, I think I've taken up enough of your time. Um, I hope you enjoy the episode and I will talk to you all in a few seconds. Hello, everyone, and I am back. Uh, with me, I brought three, I would call them experts, though two of them might disagree. Uh, experts in their field on physical fitness and nutrition. Uh, So like I mentioned a little bit earlier in the introduction, uh, I believe that physical fitness and nutrition are important for your performance when competing, not only in 40k, but also in life and in general. Um, It's something that's very, very important to me, and I know that it's something I need to work on as well. Uh, Now, I did do my own research on this topic, um, so I do have a basic understanding of of how physical fitness, for example, affects your mental health uh, and your performance and how it really translates into performing better, um, specifically in 40k. But I brought on three people that I think really add a lot of value to this conversation and can really have a lot of information that... um, maybe isn't out there, maybe isn't as well known. Uh, so first off, I brought probably the most physically fit person I know personally. Um, he is an amazing 40k player. He's also very successful at life. He's very intelligent. Uh, and that is Mr. Brandon Grant. Oh, hello. Good to be here. <laughs> I also brought with me someone who who has a passion and knowledge for competition, um, really throws themselves into learning about athletes and studying them. They also... A physically fit guy, if I do say so myself. Very proud of... Um, I'm sure he's also proud of where he's come. Um, he's also... Doesn't like to admit it, but he's a pretty good 40k player too. Uh, Mr. Val Heffelfinger. Some of those things are true. And then finally, I brought on the main expert man of the hour, Mr. 
British hunk himself, a, a gentleman who has trained professional athletes and and celebrities and um, all of the amazing 40k players, probably not, but some of them. Uh, and of course, he's a physical fitness trainer and nutritionist expert. And it's his uh, debut on Chapter Tactics, Mr. Stephen Box. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. All right, so uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, we we're going to talk physical fitness. We're going to talk nutrition. We're going to talk about how to, we're going to educate people on how that translates into potentially wins, winning tournaments in competitive 40k, but also just how it helps you in general. Uh, so if you've ever gone to a tournament like and like me uh, and you played, competed six rounds, felt really tired afterwards, maybe after the sixth round, um, you start to kind of like let things slide uh, mentally. Maybe you don't get up as often. You start grabbing the chair, um, stealing chairs from your opponents if you need to, to sit down. Um, th- that uh, Personally, that happens to me sometimes at really large events, uh, especially after I've eaten poorly or or just you know, maybe I haven't had the best week. Um, and so I have noticed that, uh, I am very sluggish at tournaments. Um, and so I just needed, I just wanted some advice and I wanted to have this conversation. Um, and I thought the three of you would be great to have on for this conversation. Um, so I guess the, the first question is, is I just want to direct it to Steven box. Um, generally in your opinion, how important is nutrition and physical fitness, uh, to competing in 40 K? Or to doing well in 40k, excuse me. Obviously, there isn't a, there isn't a direct correlation between how physically fit you are and how good you are at 40k. But I think, like you kind of mentioned there, Pablo, I see it a lot when you are playing, a, you know, five six round event. The it tends to be the back end of game two, game three. When you're getting to the end of the day, you just start making more and more mistakes as you become more and more fatigued. Now, this could become from your lack of sleep, a lack of dehydration, poor nutrition, or just a, a complete lack of physical fitness. But not only that, it's also the the huge benefits that being physically fit brings you, whether that's you know improved self-confidence, um, it's resilience, and it can be extremely fantastic that I found from you know my background in, um, you know, for those who don't know, I used to compete at extremely high levels in bodybuilding and that taught me an unbelievable amount of dedication and discipline which I think um, sort of works extremely well when you're playing a game like 40k which is very strategic and also you kind of need to know that exactly what you're doing it between every single bout between every single game and making sure that all of those repetitions with your army count and I think there's a huge amount there that actually um, correlate really really well to being physically fit and able so yeah I mean it's not something that you know we can say oh you know if you can run a marathon or you can lift a certain amount of weight you're going to be a great player but certainly it is going to start to have an impact on your performance and just general well-being. Yeah and, and um, to kind of drive that point home I was uh, reading a chess article that talked about Magnus Carlsen, the current chess world champion. Magnus. Um, yeah, Magnus. He's, uh, but he, he's also a physically fit guy. He work, he works really hard in his nutrition. Um, and he emphasizes that when he, when he talks about chess and when he talks about competing. Um, but anyways, the article was about how he would be like a 2,600 rated player. I think he's currently like a 2,900 rated. He's really high, but how his rating would be lower if he wasn't physically fit. And so the argue kind of argue, the, the article kind of argued that, um, Although Magnus is a really intelligent guy and he's a really good chess player, that the his physical fitness 
which is which is not unheard of in the chess world, but it's something that he really emphasizes, um, is important to him getting to that extra level, getting that, that extra gear he needs to really be the world champion versus just being an amazing chess player. I think that's right. uh, that's a great example, because I'm sure there's a lot of people right now being like, this is, this is dumb. Uh, we're talking about 40K. <laughs> Why are we talking about nutrition and fitness? Don't make me feel bad. Uh, and I think um, the analogy that immediately popped into my head um, is... I don't know, when I was a kid, there's this guy who came out, his name was Tiger Woods, and Tiger Woods was effing jacked, and he played golf, which up until then was a game a lot like, in, it, hilariously, I mean, there were really, really skilled players, but like, there were players who hacked darts on the, on, on the golf course, uh, you know, had visible guts, they were drunks, uh, and Tiger Woods was like the first golfer athlete, <clears throat> and obviously absolutely destroyed the game. I think he was one of the first guys to, because as as games and sport have become more and more blurred as time goes on, I think he was one of the first ones to apply that sort of athlete approach to something that was often viewed as a game, and uh, and he completely changed that game as a result. So I think that is a that's just a really good another good example of how someone just taking that like athlete's mentality to something that is not necessarily considered, you know, physically endurance, uh, you know, is, is an essential requirement of being good at it. By adding it, you become that much more, you know, uh, uh, skilled at, at what you're doing. You're that much more able to be, you know, sharp when you need to be. And you, you have, as, as Steven said, you have that much more resilience and focus. Yeah, yeah I think that um, it's a great point that both of you have made Val and Pablo. Uh, I really like the Magnus example because um, we can cover the, the mental side in terms of applying focus to a game for long periods of time on its own, but good nutrition and being physically fit is the foundation to having the mental stamina you need to get through, say, a nine-round event or a six-round event for a weekend. And I know there's a lot of skeptics that are listening right now, so maybe this is a good time for us to share our times when we weren't physically fit and what that was like for us, because I know I was super skeptical about all this stuff for a long time. And uh, my story was in college, I actually struggled uh, with grades in my first year. Uh, I got put on academic probation. A lot of it was it, college is like this uh, holy grail when you're a kid, because especially where I was, your parents are like, okay, um, you're expected to go and do something in college, figure out what you want. And I didn't know what I wanted. So I went in undeclared. I took a bunch of general ed courses. They were extremely boring for the most part. And I didn't do very well. I lacked focus. I couldn't get through these classes very easily. Um, and that improved. Once I discovered uh, mechanical engineering, the courses became far more interesting. And by the end, I was doing much, much, much better because the courses were more challenging. They held my interest. But the whole time, I didn't do anything physically fit at all. I barely left the house, so um, I wasn't overweight. I was actually really thin, but I had no physical fitness whatsoever, um, and I found a lot of trouble with focusing and, and, and dealing with tasks that aren't necessarily interesting. After college, I started actually working out because I felt like I had more time. I was unemployed for a while. This was during the downturn in the U.S., and the level of focus that I have with physical fitness is so much better than my level of focus without it. Even now, people around me are like, look, dude, 
we can tell you're struggling right now. You need to go get a walk or take a walk. You need to go to the gym. You need to go out. Because if you stay inside, you're not going to do very well. So at least for me, I was someone who totally underestimated the mind-body connection. And now I know how big of an effect it has on me. Yeah. And, and absolutely, there's actually research done into this very same thing. Um, I, I was so uh, Jake Middleton, uh, a, like kind of like a writer, tra- physical trainer expert, uh, and someone who specifically talks about how physical fitness translates into esports. Um, talks about three adaptations, physical and mental adaptations that uh, kind of happen from physical fitness. One of them is improved endurance, uh, obviously something that translates very well to 40k. Um, instead of you're uh, standing, instead of sitting, sitting, moving around. Honestly, if you, if you listen to a lot of competitive 40k podcasts, uh, one of the big tips that they give you is to just be mobile, constantly walk around the table, be active, be an active gamer instead of a passive gamer. Look at your opponent. This is particularly good at watching what your opponent does. So if you have an opponent who you need to keep an eye on, like a hawk, um, it's good for that. Also, a second adaptation is uh, an increased ability to cope with stress, which is something that in any competition is very very useful to have and finally an improved cognitive function which i think is is kind of beaten to death in in the health community um obviously uh, there's tons of research on that but yeah improved cognitive function think better um and one other thing i I wanted to kind of talk about is it's not just it's not just about physical fitness and nutrition um taking care of yourself in general does help uh, your cognitive function does help your ability to compete. Um, so that tra- also includes uh, being sick, right? So um, in high school, my math teacher told me this when I was going to a chess tournament that uh, when you're sick, when you have the flu, your IQ drops a couple points. Like you actually lose the ability to compete or to, to think and process at the highest level that you can. Uh, so so uh, this is something else I wanted to add in as well, is that even just a little tweak of, of your physical and mental health can help your ability to you know compete enough to win, which is something that all that you need. Uh, so, uh, Stephen, back to you. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, specifically playing at 40K. Um, how have or can you give any specific examples of how when you've been to a tournament um, and you thought like, man, like, I'm so glad. I, I'm so glad I eat well. I'm so glad I'm physically fit. Uh, you know, when you're competing, are there been any like grinds or Ironman tournaments or something like that, uh, or, or just you know, just in general, uh, talk about your your uh, kind of like normal routine for a 40k tournament. Um, and also, uh, you came down here to the U.S. Uh, and you did mention in a conversation that we had uh, that it was a lot. You could see how it was a lot harder for people to to eat well and to to have good nutrition in the U.S. Um, and so how were you able to kind of manage that while also competing at one of the largest events in the world in the SoCal Open? Well, I mean, I'll, um, I'll start off with the, your first point you made about, uh, again, my experience with potentially being, you know, a little bit more fitter than maybe some of the uh, average. And um, that would really come back to my experience at the ETC where, you know, I'm playing in the singles event. Um, this, so for example, this year in Serbia, you play six games in the singles and then you play six games in the uh, team event. So you've got 12 games, which are, you know, literally, I think they're four hour rounds. Um, so extremely long during, uh, really kind of 
intense games as well because it's a very different play style to etc uh, sorry itc because you're trying to play for every single point possible rather than a win or a loss um so the mentality is slightly different and because you've got that team aspect as well now you know as i sort of said before um and i'll go i'll go quite deep on this because i think this is really important Nutrition and fitness isn't just there to help you, as we mentioned, to get better at the game, but also for your general well-being and feeling. Now, there were there were a few occasions which I kind of witnessed some pretty horrifying things. Now, they were seeing how people eat, because I can also then see, for example, even the toilet situation. Okay, now it might you might not think that kind of tells a lot about you, but it really, really does. So if you've obviously got a poor diet and poor nutrition, then your your stomach, your gut isn't going to be in the best situation. I can tell you that now. And one of the things that you don't want to happen if you do have poor nutrition going into a game is that you're constantly thinking about your stomach, whether it's bloated, you've got extreme bad gas, you know, you're going to the toilet, you've got abnormalities there, um, or and ultimately just not feeling very well, because as soon as that happens, your attention is not on the game. Um, so even just the nutrition uh, or the, the diet you have in the lead up to the event is actually massive. Um, then the next thing off the back of that is then your hydration level. So even a drop in like one to 2% of your uh, body weight. So that's, you know, if you're a hundred kilo guy, that's literally a liter uh, of dehydration, which you can easily get through. And certainly some of the hotter climates, you know, for example, like the States or, you know, Eastern Europe. Um, so that will start to have a huge impact on your cognitive function as you're actually playing. Now, over the course of the day, if you're only rehydrating with stimulants like coffee um, you're, or, for example, alcohol, then you're never really rehydrating fully. Um, so that's one massive thing that I made sure that all of my team did um, when I was captain of the United Nations team, that all of my, you know, for example, the entire team had water bottles at every single table and they were staying hydrated. And one of the tips that I gave everyone was, you know, if you wake up and you can be, if your pee is clear by the time it's midday, then you're going to stay hydrated for the rest of the day as well. And you just maintain that. Um, and actually your pee color is a really good way to measure your hydration status. So if your urine is clear, then you know you're fine. So um, yeah, as soon as you wake up, a liter bottle of water, get that in. And then obviously over the course of the day, make sure you're just... Uh, topping up with um, you know water now on the point of caffeine as well again this can be used to, to some really really good effect um, and typically what I'll do is I'll take in a good amount of coffee so at least a double espresso if not more or like an energy drink like a sugar-free monster or something and I'm typically taking that 45 minutes before um, I'm, I'm playing a game because it's the most important stages of the game are probably going to be when you're picking your secondaries, you're, you know, you're going through your opponent's list, making sure that you know everything about them. And also you're going through deployment in that first turn. So you want to make sure that your cognitive function is peaked for that time. So caffeine intake around 45 minutes before the game is going to make sure that the caffeine's in your st uh, system and then also you're using that to the best possible ability. Now then, in regards to the physical fitness, as I said, if you're playing, you know, if you're stood up and you've got bad posture um, and you're not physically fit, and I, what I mean by that is not the, your ability to run a marathon, I literally mean by your body just to hold itself up. So, you know, have you got good core stability? Um, you know, if you're somebody that sits um, at a desk a lot, and, you know, let's be honest, most of, our, most of us are now, we are very sedentary, you'll typically be very rounded and hunched. Now, the problem with that is obviously when you're then leaning over a table is that that 
that fatigue is going to accumulate in your lower back. Now, when that happens, again, your mind is not on the game and it is currently on your pain point, which is now in your lower back, which is why you start to see people reaching for a chair. And again, this is just now going to be quite uh, grueling for somebody to have to go through if they're playing, you know, eight eight hours a day of Warhammer. Um, and we want to make sure that when you are physically, um, you know, or when you are playing, that you're as physically fit as you possibly can be so we can reduce all these symptoms and ultimately the whole time you can stay focused on the game. Wow. Um, so one quick question, and then uh, I kind of want to summarize everything, because that was really good stuff. Um, uh, if you obviously shouldn't drink coffee between, uh, you know, a nine round tournament, you shouldn't drink coffee between 45 minutes before every game. Um, but when you're, when you are drinking your coffee or when you are taking your energy drink, uh, when do you, do you take it like once before round one and once before like round four day one? So, uh, before the first game each day or what, when is the best time to like take that energy drink and take that stimulant um so typically i'll probably have a some sort of level of caffeine before each of my games here i won't um i'll basically depending on how much caffeine you take without going into it to too much detail all i want to make sure is that the caffeine in my bloodstream is um basically come back to baseline before I go to sleep. Now, typically that takes about five hours from, you know, let's say you had like a double shot espresso. So as long as I'm sort of tapering off my caffeine intake around five o'clock in the evening, then I know by the time I go to bed at 10 um, or 11, all the caffeine's out of my system and I'm going to sleep throughout the evening. So there's absolutely nothing wrong if you're playing, let's say three games in a day, you, you know, you're probably not playing any more than that. If you're having three uh, coffees or, you know, three energy drinks, um, again, I would always go for the sugar-free option um, just for you're going to make sure that you're decreasing your calories. Um, then, yeah, that's there's going to be absolutely nothing wrong with that. And you will be fine as long as you are. Um, it's, this isn't new to you. I wouldn't just go straight on three coffees a day if you've never had it before. Obviously, you've got to be sensible with all this stuff. I'm just kind of gives, giving some general guidance. And uh, Mr. Box, I dose is important as well uh and a, a, a coffee is not a coffee is not a coffee a cup of coffee is eight ounces so what do you mean when you say a cup of coffee um so really the caffeine intake is only found in the um espresso shot that's in the coffee so typically if you're having um a most coffees whether it's a latte or cappuccino will always have just that double espresso at the bottom oh, yeah you're um, you're from you're from england you just do americanos over there uh, like mo mo most of this audience would be used to drip coffee okay so the equivalent would be to an espresso shot would actually be an eight ounce coffee which for the record if you're a starbucks person uh is not even the tall it's the it, it's it's the uh the short it's actually yeah. a very small amount of coffee yeah i mean when it comes to um, caffeine for performance, the actual dosage that you can get away with taking is huge. Um, and what I'm going to, I'm going to, while um, somebody in that, when somebody sort of interjects, I'm going to actually look up the exact amount of caffeine you can take in order to see a performance uh, benefit. Now, I think it's, um, I'm not going to give any sort of recommendations right now before I know more, but basically it is such a huge amount. It could be equivalent of multiple coffees anyway. Um, so your, 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 toler your body's tolerance um, is actually quite high for it and it is perfectly safe to take it a higher dose, even if you did have two or three coffees, for example. So I will go away now and do a little bit of research for you hmm. and then I can give you an exact amount. Nutrition, exactly. physical fitness, and performance-enhancing drugs, guys. This is great. Now, <laughs> the thing I did want to ask, because we have a trained nutritionist here on the show, 
you've talked about hydration. Uh, we're talking about coffee. Uh, what about controlling your calorie intake during the day? How do you control uh, what you're eating and when you're eating to maintain performance at a 40k event? Yeah, so you've got, when it comes to nutrition, number one, you've obviously got calorie balance. Uh, that is the most important factor, whether it comes to having ensuring that you're having enough energy throughout the day. Um, so to give you a uh, an extreme example, um, and obviously every, everyone listening to this podcast will fit somewhere on this continuum. Now, when I was a competitive bodybuilder, I'm literally professionally starving myself, okay, and doing it in the most safest fashion that you possibly can to obviously look a certain way. Now, there would be days I was so malnourished through calories that I couldn't speak. I mean, I would literally um, slur all of my words. I would have only 20 minutes cognitive function uh, maximum, and I was in a really, really bad state. People would genuinely worry about me. Um, I would talk for you know most of the day um, and ultimately it made my doing my job extremely difficult but so that's on one end of the spectrum not so that's a kind of an example of poor nutrition where your, your body's not consuming enough calories for its needs um, you know to the point where you know like your sex drive will d uh, diminish like all of your hormones will um, basically decrease so testosterone absolutely everything else um, then you've also got on the other side of things you've got in extreme rates of obesity you're going to actually have those same effects so you know you're going to start to see things like depression and you know uh, reduced amounts of testosterone levels reduced sex drive all that kind of good stuff that we kind of obviously want and then with that as well there's going to be a lot of discomfort in the um, sort of mid-drift whether it's uh, just an just too much amount of food that your body can't really process and handle. So what we kind of want to be is somewhere in the middle where the body's pretty healthy. Um, and that also then come, come, or what comes into the play is your calorie intake throughout the day. Now, calories um, is just a measurement of energy. That's all a calorie is, okay? So there's nothing magical about it. There's nothing good or bad about calories. It's simply just a measurement. Um, just like, you know, we measure um, our distances and in inches. It's just a literally a measurement of energy so you want to make sure that your body every single day is burning a certain amount um, and you want to make sure that you're having enough energy to supply it with enough nutrients to make sure you can get through that day and meet all your requirements just like when you drive a car you want to put enough gas or petrol in just to get you to your destination you don't want to underfill it and you also don't want to overfill it you just want to make sure that you've got enough to get you to your destination now calories are one thing but then also you've got your actual types of foods that you're eating now typically the gut can only digest a certain amount of food in a certain feedings which is why you know people experience bloating extreme levels of gas you know poor issues on the toilet um, which obviously some of those things I mentioned earlier now those are things are caused by foods that are either irritant uh, to the gut or maybe it's just an extreme um, lack of quality nutrition so you need to kind of combine the balance of the calorie intake for your body um, and you know and that can be anywhere between you know, 1,500 calories for a smaller individual, maybe up to 3,000 calories for somebody that exercises quite a lot. Now, typically, if you're between there, you're going to be fine um, in regards to how much you actually need for the day. But then the food choices that you are having, you want to make sure that there's plenty of protein in the diet. And the reason for that is because it's going to help you stay fuller. So you don't want to be, you know, halfway through the round thinking, oh, I really fancy a chocolate bar. Because again, your focus isn't on the game. Proteins found in things like dairy, 
dairy, mm. eggs, meat sources and stuff like that. And then a balance of carbohydrates and fats and also vegetables just to make sure that you're kind of singing on this um, or you're ticking all the boxes that you kind of need. Ironically, um, I guess going to a GT is kind of like my biggest competitive moment <clears throat> in my life at this at this time. Uh, and it's one actually I do think the most about all of these things because uh, I do try hard. I mean, anyone who's seen me would never confuse me with Stephen Box or even a Brandon Grant. I'm probably closer to a Pablo on the scale of this. But the um, the true. <laughs> the uh, the things I do think about are um, a lot of what actually Stephen's been talking about, which is hydration uh, and uh, trying to um, get, I guess, quality nutrients in, in me. Uh, during the day and um, and you know I usually fall down at night with beers and and uh, and a and a nice gross meal but um, the way I do that is often I'll bring like a, a, a not often I always bring a, a protein shake and protein powder I always bring uh, usually a couple zippies of nuts um, just so that like I'm eating a lot of proteins and fats I'm not a nutritionist but that's what I try to focus on because obviously a lot of the stuff that you can grab when you're at when you're at a tournament is usually um, carbs or sugar or, or, or just like, you know, sugar, still carbs, but, um, uh, or just like chocolate bars or, or whatever stuff that will maybe make you feel kind of good for like 30 minutes, but will, uh, will always result in a crash or, you know, not feeling that great afterwards. <clears throat> so that's what I try and do. I try and in my backpack, I always have sort of a, a kit of, of foods and snacks that, uh, hopefully aren't going to be a net detriment to me and will help keep me on my feet because i need every single thing i can get oh also and a lot of stimulants and drugs so mm, val and steve are definitely on target with this stuff the thing i'll add is uh thinking of calories as filling a fuel tank you actually have um two sources of calories in your body after you've already eaten food there's temporary calories stored in your liver and then there's fat and fat takes a lot of energy to break down, and your body generally doesn't want to touch it. And if you're really actually burning fat for calories, it can really mess with you, as Steve was going over, where you're underfed. Um, so basically, you want to make sure that the temporary calories in your liver don't run out um, or get overfilled, because what happens is your liver only has so much capacity for calories. And once you have ingested more calories that have been processed into your bloodstream than your liver can absorb you release insulin. Insulin is a hormone that tells your fat, okay, there's too many calories. Please take some of these calories out of the bloodstream so we don't have a sugar crash. Um, and this is totally normal. This is the self-regulation of your digestive system. So then we get into how to fill that fuel tank. And there's three major macronutrients. There's carbohydrates, protein, and fat. And the difference between them is that carbohydrates require almost no energy to break down compared to the other two. So they're released right away. So they're a nice quick burst of energy. They're delicious because they're so easy to break down. We desire them and seek them out. They're really great if you're running a marathon or doing something physically active. So having a lot of carbohydrates to fuel you while you're exerting all this energy is great. But if you overeat carbohydrates, you can easily overfill your... Um, your calories for that moment, and then you release insulin, you get slow because um, you're feeling full, you're, you're overfilled. So that's where proteins and fats come in. Uh, fats are the slowest to break down and proteins are medium, which means your body actually has to spend calories before it can get calories out of your food. So having things like uh, nuts and proteins and meats and eggs, um, these break down slower. So you can have one meal that'll last you for four hours 
um, if it's got the right macronutrient profile to it. So that's what you're going for during an event. You're trying to get these foods so that if you're doing a four-hour game, you don't have to be continuously snacking while you're doing the game. In fact, I'm so focused on games, I sometimes forget to eat um, during a game. So I'll, I won't even notice I'm hungry until after the game's over. So having foods that have proteins and fats in them and that you feel good enough to eat without snacking too much in between is exactly what you're going for for a 40k game oh wow yeah just to add to that um with what brandon said there is exactly you want to make sure that your macronutrient profile is um in those right ratios and one of the ways that i would always try and recommend i'll give you some sort of practical recommendations here so anything that is a um so carbohydrates has Brandon said, you you never want to consume too much of, you never want to consume too much fat either. So it is having the right balance. Now, what that could easily look like. So one of the things I had at SoCal was literally um, a chicken, is it gyros? Is that how you pronounce it? Euros. Euros. So I had, a ch- um, which is basically a flatbread. So some sort of whole grain carbohydrates. And it's got plenty of salad in as well for the fiber intake. Now, when you consume fiber, it slows down the digestion of carbohydrates. The protein also slows down the digestion of carbohydrates. And then I'm having some, I think there was some yogurt dressing in it or something, which is a little bit of fat. So all of those things combined slow down the digestion of carbohydrates, but I'm still got those carbohydrates in the, in the, um, in the diet, so to speak, on the day. Um, so it's a good, well-rounded, balanced meal just to make sure that I've got enough energy for, you know, like Brandon said, for that next sort of four-hour bout. Um, you know, things like protein bars, nuts are a nice little snack. Again, nuts can be something that are easily over-consumed. They are extremely high in calories for the amount you actually get. So you do want to make sure that you're not eating too many of those. I'm just like, but- I'm like Barack Obama, okay? I eat eight almonds. That's it. Perfect. Eight almonds and 15 cigarettes. That's, that's, yeah, no, that's what I do. No more than eight. Nine, and then you tip you over the edge, I think, uh, Val. You, you, I don't think you're a nine almond kind of guy. Brandon can probably <laughs> take nine, but you, may, I would you know, maybe verge on the side of caution and go seven, perhaps. But Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, so simple things like fruits, again, good as well. To They contain a good amount of fiber to slow down that uh, digestion and things. But the other thing as well, the, the, there's actually four macronutrients, and the fourth one is alcohol. Now, as soon as alcohol is released into the bloodstream then and into the gut, then the only thing you will be bre- breaking down and digesting is alcohol until all of that is out of your um, bloodstream basically as well so um that one is certainly not to be forgotten because that one contains seven calories per gram um, and i could go into how much or how many calories that you will end up consuming but typically a 40k gamer from what i've sort of witnessed will drink enough alcohol to be equivalent of a um i don't know a large domino's pizza do you guys get domino's in the states yes yeah so basically that's where it comes from steven okay cool so six (laughs) six to uh I think six pints is equivalent to a large Domino's pizza in regards to how many calories that is. Yeah. And, and so can we so just, just pause here and break down the enigma that is Nick Nanabadi's performance then? Yeah, he's a special snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to, th- there's a lot of information here, but what I love about all of this information is that it, it's not it's not something that, you, you know... Um, you need to be a physical fitness phenom to, to understand or to even start doing at your next tournament, for example. Um, you know, Steven isn't saying bust open an Atkins book and to put on a Richard Simmons DVD every morning and work hard, you know, 
become like him. Um, you know, these are basic things that people can do every day or every day and also at a tournament. You could maybe, I mean, I'm not recommending this, but you could maybe be normal, eat normally on the weekend or the weekday. And then when you get to a tournament, start doing these activities and you'll probably see a little bit of an increase in your performance. Is that correct, Stephen? Yeah, definitely. Like it's so, um, so easy just to be slightly more what we call health seeking. So there was recently a documentary and it's called Game Changes and it compared basically the vegan vegetarian diet and it's on Netflix versus a meat eater diet. Now the typically the problem with that uh, documentary is that there's a lot of bad science in that um, documentary where they're essentially comparing people that are health seeking. These are people that actually care about what they eat. They do some exercise. They probably meditate. They do yoga, physical fitness. They, you know, it's all good stuff what they're doing. They get good sleep, stay hydrated, and they compare those people to basically people that don't really care drink too much, smoke too many cigarettes, and ultimately don't have a care in the world when it comes to their diet, or um, it could be a lack of education, in which when you compare these two things, there's a massive, massive difference. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, any food out there. They're, they're all fine in some sort of balance and moderation. I, with all of my clients, I never say, no, you can't eat a certain thing. And it's all about making it work for you. Um, and it's good that you, to eat foods that you enjoy. But typically, what we want to make sure that you're doing is that you're just being mindful. Okay. And this is the most important thing. So like I said earlier, make sure you're hydrated. Try and get seven hours sleep the night before. Don't get too drunk. You know, maybe have a couple of beers. You don't need to have six to get you know have a good time you know so it's all about finding that right balance and then having three to four steady meals which are pretty well balanced with a good protein fat carbohydrate you know in some sort of vegetable matter in each meal then you're going to be completely fine um and that's going to do you really really well um, like before during and, and after the event but then the lead up to that like the the sort of everyday levels of nutrition then you need to be tailored towards your goal so if you want to lose a little bit of weight if that you know if if body fat is a slight issue for you and um you know you want to bring that levels down then you're going to need to eat in a calorie deficit which basically means you need to expend more calories every day than you're burning um sorry than you're eating so that's you know, kind of a, a maybe a conversation for another time or if people want help they can reach out and message me but um, and on the flip side of that, if you're somebody that needs to add a little bit more muscle on or you need to improve your physical fitness, then you'd need to eat eat a little bit more calories to make sure that you've got enough protein coming in, enough energy to train, and then also build that muscle that you need. So that's kind of a, a bigger picture kind of stuff. But in regards to the snapshot of just a competition, literally sleep for seven hours, stay hydrated, and also just have some balanced meals are going to do you pretty good. Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of focus always on this topic, <clears throat> pardon me, on um, on physical fitness, like um, especially with weight loss. I think there's a bit of a um, misconception that weight loss is driven by physical fitness, you know, getting up and running 5K or whatever. Um, but the, the real quick hitter, the stuff that is actually going to make a, an impact for you on any day, I think really does relate to other fundamentals that Stephen just said, sleep. Um, you know, making sure that you're ticking off all the basic nutrition boxes. Um, you know, I just, just want to reiterate that, that the stuff within reach. And if you're thinking right now, like, this is silly. Why would I, you know, do all of those things just to try and be a little bit better at a silly Warhammer tournament? Well, it's one of those things where 
Uh, if you did try to do some of these things, you, you know, and it's maybe not something you've ever thought of or really actually went out and tried to do, um, well, guess what? It will have a knock-on effect in your actual regular life. Um, yeah. it, it's actually when I have a tournament coming up, I tend to um, be a little bit better at this stuff because it's focused my mind on a goal. And so when you have an objective, because, you know, staving off death for most people is not enough. Um, you know, and that, and that's because it's very, very far away and super abstract. So having a goal, like I've got a GT, I want to do as best as I can. Maybe I'll eat a little bit better is a great way to, to maybe motivate you into making some, you know, ultimately, um, you can do this in small adjustments or maybe a big change in your life, but it, it can be a goal that you can use to further some good health advances in your life. There's a guy, uh, one of my favorite people in the world, Horton Doughton. Uh, he, uh, he'd be equally awesome to have on the show, but I remember talking to him about his pre-tournament prep. Actually, he really, really gets tight coming into it because he knows that when he gets to the tournament, he's going to want to go out for a nice meal, uh, with, with, with the fellas afterwards. And he's going to want to have the cheeseburger. He's going to maybe even have a drink or two. Um, so he tries to make sure that he, his like fitness and nutrition is on point as possible coming into the event. So that way he's got, you know, that spare capacity for when he's actually there. So a tournament could be actually a really great way to motivate yourself to, you know, just tighten up a little bit or, or like, uh, you know, make a few improvements. So that way you're, you're ready to go and have the best weekend you can. Yeah. Yeah. Is it right if I share some, do you want me to share some sort of success stories at the moment that people I'm working with who also uh, play 40K? Absolutely. So I won't mention any um, particular names. Um, there's one person that won't mind me mentioning his name. Um, so one person I'm working with at the moment to help him is Manny Chima. So me and Manny, we've set him the goal to get in the best shape of his life in for next ETC. So we've given him a year. Um, and typically all we're doing at, at the moment with Manny and Manny seeing some really good results is he's training three to four times a week in the weights room. So he doesn't enjoy doing cardio, nor do I. So you won't ever see me doing any running, um, maybe running for a bus if I'm late. But apart from that, everything's in the <laughs> weights room. So we've devised a training program for him that he enjoys. He can do it effectively. And it's one that he's seeing some really good results from in terms of muscle gain he's getting stronger with every session and all we're doing at the moment is putting him in a slight calorie deficit so um, let's say he needs 2500 calories a day to maintain his body weight we're literally going to get him to eat two to three hundred calories less per day now this is such a small amount which is literally like two bananas less in terms of how many calories that actually looks like um, or one chocolate bar less a day and all of a sudden this guy is now losing half a pound uh, to a pound a week in um, steadily over the year that's going to lead to a huge amount of weight loss but not to a point where he's even going to notice that he's on a diet which is exactly that you know he still enjoys a Nando's does everything that he normally does when he goes to an event has a couple of beers and it's all about making sure that over the course of the week um, if there's going to be days which are higher like Val said uh, with his example if you're consuming a few extra calories at the weekend then cut back in the week so if you need 2,000 calories a day to lose weight then over the course of the week that's 14,000 calories it doesn't matter if you eat 
7,000 on one day and zero on another, as long as the end, I'm just using an extreme example, I wouldn't recommend that, but as long as you kind of balance it out over the course of the week, it doesn't matter. It also doesn't matter what time you eat, okay? So it doesn't matter if you like to eat in the morning or you like to eat in the middle of the night, it really makes no difference whatsoever, um, providing that those calories over the course of the week are being managed. Um, so Manny's seeing some really good results at the moment. I'm also working with another gentleman at the moment, um, and he's lost 30 pounds in 12 weeks he hasn't in fact he's been to the gym three times in those 12 weeks he's got an extremely busy job um, and very very uh, good at what he does Um, and yeah literally we're just managing nutrition and he's already telling me things like he feels that he's got a lot more energy although ironically he's eating less calories so he's got more energy because he feels so much better Um, he can physically see the difference now in his pictures so um, around his middles looking a lot tighter than it was um and you know is this is a conversation i have with a lot of people is that a lot of people come to me now in 40k and they tell me things like actually yeah my dad um suffered from heart disease or um high cholesterol levels and you know i've got a kid and i want to make sure that i'm going to be able to run around with my you know child or um you know for as long as i possibly can so when i go on a theme park ride i can actually fit in the seat with them um that i can kick a football around for 10 minutes and not or a soccer ball whatever you want to call it um you know for longer than 10 minutes and not get out of breath so i can actually climb the stairs and not feel bad and i don't want to be on the toilet 3 to 4 times a day um anymore and it's these things that when you actually start to make a change in your life you really start to get a lot more confidence um you know you start to feel so much better and it's a lot i don't care what people look like you know i work with a whole host of different people from you know mums who want to look better in a bikini people who want to get ready for a wedding guys that are top actors and they want to get in shape for the next role professional bodybuilders top athletes musicians i've, I've seen it all with everybody and the most important thing is just helping people take that small step forward to make them feel a little bit better. Um, and whether that has an external thing as well, if they look better after it, then that's just a, a an extra bonus. But it should all be about, you know, can we stay physically fit and active and feel great? And it's only at the times when you reach that point. And, you know, I, there's been periods in my life where, um, you know, I've, I've kind of eaten a bit rubbish for a while, you know, a couple of months or whatever hasn't been on track. And I genuinely feel really really awful like I'm sluggish I can't get out of bed in the morning my toilet isn't the same as it used to be Um, my hormone function isn't as good and it only takes a couple of weeks of you know sorting my diet out getting you know the those priorities back in place and all of a sudden I'm feeling on top of the world again and that's exactly where I want everyone to be that's kind of my mission in life so um yeah hopefully that's kind of helped people sort of put things in a little bit of perspective for them Beautiful. Uh, and, and as Val said, uh, maybe that small step that Steven mentioned could just be getting a little more physically and nutritionally fit for a 40K tournament so you can do well in it. Um, you know, even if you don't necessarily aren't looking to win in it, uh, if you're looking to go 4-1 or 4-2, or uh, six-round event, um, and that's your goal, uh, and, or if you just don't want to feel like shit at the end of a 40k tournament, like I sometimes do, um, you know, this is a good little small first step. Uh, so to summarize, the uh, hydrate, eat protein and, and uh, fiber in moderation, basically eat in moderation. Um, uh, make sure that you get some sleep. 
Uh, if you want, if you're going to caffeinate or if you want to improve your game that way, uh, caffeinate 45 minutes before you need to start thinking, you know, where you want to improve cognitive function. Um, and then that's between every game. Uh, and then, uh, I don't think Steven got the, the caffeine intake, but, um, remember that your body can, like he said, your body can handle a little more caffeine than, than, um, people normally would think, uh, but still don't go crazy. Um, um I've, I've got the caffeine um oh, dosages here okay so typically a fitness performance intake is somewhere between 200 to 400 milligrams okay so a typical um i've looked up here uh, a typical kind of eight fluid ounce coffee is about 100 milligrams so um there's certainly been times in my performance where i'm looking to take on four times that in one dosage so um and i'm perfectly fine with going up to about 400 milligrams i I even take capsules which are literally just straight caffeine so i can skip the coffee altogether um but yeah that that will elicit a performance gain and that's been shown in the research to improve people's like one rep maxes in the gym and stuff and increases focus in cognitive function i wouldn't however recommend you do that three times a day um, but obviously this is normally before a training bout where you're just training for that next hour and you want to get the most out of it or you've got an important game um, you would go up to that higher end so if you're caffeinating over the course of the day i'd probably look to bring that down slightly anywhere between a cup to two cups of coffee before you play that game and yeah, you'd probably be okay it, and you said it takes about 500 or five, about five hours to for your body to clear that many that much caffeine yeah if you're going up to an extreme amount of 400 it's going to take a little bit longer but um yeah typically it kind of it spikes and then it sort of comes back down over time and this is something that you know you want to have a sort of a bit of a play with in report back because you don't want to take so much caffeine you don't sleep and then you're up all night and then the next day um just because you had a good game at round three you now can't sleep and game four five and six are going to be awful so you want to make sure that you're not just messing about with this stuff um and there's other nootropics and other things that i could talk about but um yeah maybe that's a bit more too in depth for kind of what we need so i mean uh, just to put this into a again functional level so like a, a grande which would be i think your medium or large coffee at like a mcdonald's or a grande at a starbucks uh that's rocking 260 milligrams of caffeine uh in one if you go to their large which is uh well it's 591 milliliters crazy 20 ounces um that's getting you over 300 milligrams of caffeine so caffeine and any any energy drink that you drink have a look at the back because it's going to tell you exactly how many milligrams of caffeine you're going to get i'm harping on this not because i want people to do drugs i just think a lot of folks are unaware of just how much caffeine they're drinking so if you if you have uh say two large coffees you're actually in the 500 plus milligrams of caffeine dosage range um, which is a which is actually a lot and beyond what maybe even you know performance tolerance would be. And it might be why you get a little bit jittery, why you experience a crash, all that kind of stuff. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, now, uh, the, we're we're cutting on fifty minutes here, um, so we are cutting it a little longer. I have I have um, one one follow up question I'd like to ask because I think abs- yeah, absolutely. So so nutrition, sleep, all that stuff. This it's somewhat in your control. Um, you know, I know we have a lot of hard ingrained habits and it can be difficult to change them. Um, trust me, not, I know this very well. Um, and what on this, on the other side of the coin, which is physical fitness, you can't get physically fit in the week before a tournament or even in the day before a tournament. Um, so if you are, you know, not in, 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 you know, particularly good mobile condition, 
what are some things that people can do to to help you know uh, you know extend their range a bit on tournament day, Stephen? Yeah, so I think you've got again a couple of easy things that you can do. I'd always recommend doing some level of resistance training. Um, as we get older, basically we lose muscle. Unfortunately, um, it's called atrophy, um, which is why when you get extremely old, then you know things like uh, you struggle to get out of your chair. Simple things that we we would take for granted now. You know, can you even you know stand up from a t- uh, sitting on a toilet? So, unfortunately, atrophy is something we want to avoid, which is why we want to have a good protein intake and also resistance train that's going to make sure that that's not happening and hopefully building some muscle now typically a simple um, you could do a body weight workout at home if you if you don't have access to a gym and if you do have access to a gym something super simple making sure that you're doing six key movements and which train the entire body so you're looking at something where you pull down something where you pull something towards you, which you call a row. So a pull down, a row, an overhead press where you stick a weight above your head, a a weight where you push it as a chest press. Um, So there you kind of four main exercises for the upper body, then two lower body exercises like some sort of squat exercise or a hip hinge like a deadlift or a hip thrust or a stiff leg deadlift, something like that. If you're doing that twice a week and you're training, let's say three to to four sets of eight to ten reps at a moderate weight, keeping good form, it's going to keep you in really, really good physical shape from a um, posture and just like I said a good amount of muscle mass Um, and and that should also keep you relatively physically fit because when you're doing bouts of exercise with weight training it actually uh, requires your cardiovascular system to recover and to work harder so you're able to then do that bout of resistance training again um, if you do enjoy doing cardio you do enjoy going for runs and all that kind of stuff fantastic but it can be quite difficult for people that are overweight because obviously it's very strenuous on their knees their ankles their lower back so even typically this is one of the things that so many people miss is just doing enough steps a day so i would normally recommend somebody get a step counter could be a fitbit and iWatch, even your phone just keep it in your pocket um, and the best thing to do is just track for a week how many steps you do. Um, I wouldn't go out and say, right, you've got to do 10,000 every day. Just have a look at what you're doing. So if you're currently only doing 1,000 steps a day, can you get that up to 2,000 steps a day? And, you know, if you're anywhere between, let's say, eight and 12,000 steps a day, you're going to be in a pretty physically fit shape. Um, if you're, con- you know, consistently doing that for six months more to a year, get those couple of weight sessions in and you're going to be p- feeling pretty good. And then just combine that with a you know a few stretches um, when you do go to the gym to make sure you're you know have got good range and mobility and to be honest like people really overthink stretching all you need to do is get in the gym get on the mat and just throw your body in some weird shapes and if you feel it pulling somewhere then it's probably stretching that muscle twist and turn until you feel it stretch somewhere else and to be honest you're probably going to feel pretty mobilized after doing that for 10 minutes um, so yeah that that'd be kind of my real basic recommendations um, Brandon, is there anything you want to kind of add to that? Um, I really, really like the recommendation for walking because it doesn't require any special equipment or gym memberships. You can just leave the house, walk around your neighborhood, wear a hat so you don't get burned. But um, it really helps. Like uh, I've traveled for work several times in Europe, and Europe doesn't have uh, interstate highways. They have a lot of, I'm just going to walk to the destination. And you feel so much different walking around that much than you do in the states where you just get in a car and drive everywhere 
So I can't recommend that enough. On top of that, if you're just doing the, um, let's take the laziest approach, I don't want to change anything, um, don't eat food where you don't know how to make it. Um, and a lot of this food can be really cheap. Like, I like eggs and toast for breakfast. That's totally fine. But if I have a monster energy drink or some sort of Coca-Cola, I don't know how to make that. And it has a lot of added sugars to it that you can get the caffeine without that. And it, it's really like we were having this beer conversation. It's a lot more than you think it is. Um, so just eat foods you understand and try and mix up the macronutrients. That's that, that's If you just do that, that's a huge effect. Get enough sleep, uh, especially if you're on the road and you're a light sleeper. Uh, try and get some eye covers. Try and get earplugs. Um, you can try melatonin or some over-the-counter non-prescription sleep aids. Um, all of them are addictive, so don't use them all the time. Um, uh, getting out and walking, stretching, uh, make sure your shoes are good. If you're using worn out running shoes that have no sole left and you're standing for eight to 12 hours at a 40 K event, your feet are going to feel awful. So try and get some shoes that have some, some comfort and some thickness to them. You can get insoles, um, bring some ibuprofen. If you think you're going to have knee problems, that definitely helps too with headaches, uh, drink plenty of water. Um, anyone who's watched my LVO event knows that I drink an enormous bottle of water and I usually finish it. It's over, uh, two liters. So you're going to need more water than you think. Just pack more water than you think you're going to need. And if you do all of that, I think you're in good shape, even not being Steven box level of fitness. Beautiful, beautiful. And, and it, it really is just about, uh, in terms of for competing, I'm not you know not talking about life changes and lifestyle changes, but for competing um, at a tournament, it really is just about keeping your body uh, and your mental state comfortable enough so that you can focus on the game and not on on you know your body or things that are making you uncomfortable. Um, so that's the basics of it. Uh, this is a really really good conversation. Um, I wanted to spend some time at the end uh, to talk about Steven Box and. Uh, his experience at the SoCal Open and talk a little bit about 40k stuff. Uh, so Stephen, Brandon, Val, if you guys are up for it, you know, some some time on that. Yeah, definitely. Love to. Sure. Perfect. Uh, so uh, Stephen, uh, you were down here recently at the SoCal Open. Uh, and unfortunately, I'm sorry, guys, last week, Chapter Tactics uh, did not come on. Uh, I ended up taking my daughter Disneyland for her birthday um, because I was at the SoCal Open working on on her birthday, which was the day before. So I did end up missing Chapter Tactics. Um, I couldn't find I couldn't schedule time to record. Uh, so that's why you're getting this double Chapter Tactics dosage this week. Uh, so to talk a little bit about the SoCal Open, Stephen, what was what were some of the big meta differences between playing in the UK, uh, playing at the ETC, and then playing over here on the West Coast? Because I definitely noticed meta differences uh, and and personality shifts between even the East Coast and the West Coast. Um, so, do you want to talk a little bit about that kind of like forty k? I don't want to call it culture shock, but uh, just some things that you noticed uh, about our meta, or maybe the way we play, or just something uh, about you know our forty k tournaments. Yeah, so um, obviously I play a lot of events here in the UK, um, and in the UK we typically do five round events um, because our events are you know on a Saturday and Sunday 
events will close up early on a Sunday so people can go home and, you know, do work on a Monday. Whereas because the events in the US are a lot larger, I think people do take that Monday off as well. People will stay over and it's a bit more of a weekend trip. I get that sort of vibe. So number one, my goal when I go into an event here in the UK is I try and go four in one. That's my goal. Um, If I can exceed that, then absolutely fantastic. So I knew that going over to SoCal, my expectation would be to go four and two, um, and because of the slight meta difference. Um, so that was my goal to go four and two. And the biggest thing that I noticed was terrain. Terrain was very different to um, what we use in the ETC. Um, in so, so to compare the difference, I would say that there was a lot more lighter terrain tables at SoCal than I'm used to. So I'm actually used to playing with a lot more terrain, a lot more sort of line of sight blocking terrain. Um, and also in the UK, we have a lot more sort of horde meta um, than we than I currently saw. Now that could just be a coincidence because of Marines being on the table now and really things gearing up to um, a lot more bigger guns and a bigger weapon. So I kind of built a list that I thought was um, tailored to, I probably tailored it too much towards a horde meta. Um, and when I got over, obviously I kind of saw, um, the difference there. So that was a big, a uh, bit of a shock there in terms of the amount of lists that are a lot more kind of MSU vehicle based, um, sort of bigger guns, shall we say, um, Whereas in the UK, you know, we use a lot of demons, plague bearers, um, you know, a lot more orc lists. Gene Stealer Cult is a lot more prevalent, like huge gun guard lines. Uh, you, you know, sort of look at your sort of Manny Chima's um, Imperial list with guard in Smash Captains and all that kind of good stuff. So um, that's kind of what I'm a lot more used to. Um, and also in terms of, I would say, this is something that I noticed um, just from observing a few games in terms of how we play. Um, in the UK, there's a lot more intent, um, I would say, and that's kind of a lot more verbalized, whereas I didn't think that probably happened as much, which is just, uh, you know, there's no real right or wrong way to play. Um, I can remember when Jeff actually came over to... Um, England and when I first met him at the LGT uh, not this one just gone the one before and Jeff sort of said to me exactly how he likes to play and I was completely cool with that he said he likes to play exactly how it's written um, and we had a very uh, a a game extremely by the book and it was one of the best games I've ever played Um, and I think Jeff would have said the same so um, although in other matches where I'm more than happy to play with intent and sort of verbalize a lot more of that. So there's a real difference there in terms of um, like I'm very much open and honest about, okay, remember you got this guy here behind that piece of terrain. That might be information that would, wouldn't be offered up potentially. Um, and that also might just be a coincidence because obviously when I'm playing in the UK, I'm playing against people that I see week in, week out. Um, so the the UK tournament scene um to sort of put this into perspective every time i turn to turn up to an event we probably have about six over uh, six events which are over a hundred man here and i can guarantee you in every single one of those events the best of the best are going to be at those events it, like the the uk meta like you could probably take the top 50 people and they're going to go to every single event um you know in the top 30 of those are probably in the england development training team so um or they're part of you know team scotland or team wales team ireland so the there's a real absolute shark tank at every single uk event the great thing about that it builds a really good community around you know people that really want to sort of improve the game and 
and you know we're whether I lose to Mark Crumbleholm or he beats me the week after, it, you know, I mean, there's a real kind of nice feeling around that. Whereas when I'm obviously coming over uh, to the States, I'm playing people that I don't know and they don't know me. So it's a very sort of different game. So I'm not sort of trying to generalize there, but that could be a, co- a coincidence. I don't know how you guys feel about some of the sort of comments I've made there. Oh, um, no, no, that's great. I think it also might partly be to do the venue. Uh, the SoCal Open is, uh, especially this year, was is widely regarded as a really high-level competitive event um, where people are less likely to play by intent or um, play, uh, I don't want to say gentlemanly, but to play more by the book, more, more like a tournament setting. Um, I do definitely think there's a difference between a high-level, you know, top-table LBO game uh, versus a... a final table at an rtt for instance right um there's uh, a definite level of professionalism and um competitiveness that you just wouldn't normally get so that might also have been partly to do with it uh but either way i'm, I'm glad you had a great time uh, i'm glad you you know you came out to the socal open hope you come back again uh and we are running out of time here so i i do want to um thank brandon for getting up at 5 a.m uh, and mr val as well for getting up super early right before work I also have to get going to work. And so, Stephen, uh, for anyone who's interested in, I know I have a ton more questions. So anyone who has more questions to ask you, uh, maybe they want to know more about uh, your thoughts on the competitive 40K meta or anything like that, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, so the best place, um, I am on Instagram, just at Stephen Box. That's my sort of personal and my kind of uh, fitness business page. Uh, But yeah, anything kind of, if you want more information about nutrition and um, you're interested in 40k the best thing to do is just go over to my website i know this is a bit of a plug but www.vanguardtactics.com um, and i've got a completely free itc course on there it's like five lessons where i talk you through uh, stage by stage how to get better at the uh, missions everything you need to look out for but if you join that even if you don't look at the course, you get onto my mailing list. So if you then get any other questions um, that you want to shoot my way about this kind of stuff, then you've got my inbox there. So um, and all my contact information, if you do just want to shoot me an, e- an email, are on my Vanguard Tactics page and website. So you can go check that out, shoot me an email, and I'll be more than happy to answer any questions. And this guy's being modest, by the way. Vanguard Tactics, this is the this is the channel, this is the guy that brought us the My Opponent's Yellow Card at the LGT video. The video that went viral. He talked about sportsmanship, gentlemanship. He's been on a bunch of different podcasts now. Uh, and it absolutely shaped the way we looked at not only the LGT and, and the com- competition there, but also how we should look at competitive 40k and how we should treat... Um, you know, the game that we play in general, how we should treat play cheaters, how we should deal with them, how, um, you know, just, just kind of like how serious we should take this thing, right? How serious we should take competitive 40k. So, um, you know, I wanted to give kudos to you uh, on that, Stephen. Uh, so it's definitely a channel worth checking out. Um, also, I- I'm assuming you have a Patreon as well. Yeah, so um, I'm actually kind of moving away from Patreon because I've just developed a mentorship program, which is like a year long course on 40k. So it's not, um, it's very different to what we've ever kind of seen before in the 40k universe. It's all about helping people with the foundation knowledge, get really comfortable and confident at the game. So, um, you know, in a lot of the skills that I'm teaching on that year long course would actually be applicable to a lot of different things Um, in gaming. I talk about like how to design your own list, how to 
change it, how to refine it, how to play test, and then all of the phases of each game, you know, or each of the phases of the game, should I say, um, and going into detail about some advanced tactics, you know, how to wrap and trap effectively, how to use certain stratagems to maximize your effectiveness when you're, you know, trying to pile in and consolidate. So it's a really good um, kind of foundation knowledge, um, you know. So if your goal is to, you know, do well at tournaments, go three and two, four and one, become a really, you know, good top player, then that's the mentorship program is kind of what I would recommend people look into. And all the details for that are on the on the um, on my website anyway. But honestly, the the SoCal event was absolutely fantastic. Just to finish off, by the way, um, and I'm already looking to come back next year and also come to the LVO. And on what you said there, Pablo, thank you so much about the kind words about my video and. I just want to say everyone that reached out to me, um, it was humbling. The amount of messages I had, um, and I'm talking hundreds of messages, thousands of comments on my video, um, and everyone that came over to say hello at the SoCal Open, um, honestly, I was extremely humbled to uh, get such a good response from it. So thank you, everyone. Of course, man. Uh, and unfortunately, we, Val left right as I was going to have him take, uh, have him plug a 40k stat center. Um, so I'll just do it myself. Um, I'm not sure when this, this is going to air, but if you're listening to the Patreon, you're definitely going to get this Monday, uh, November 4th. Uh, so you're definitely going to get this. So if you're listening to this early, check out 40k stat center this week. Uh, they're going to cover uh, the huge Spanish team tournament. Um, I'm not sure how well, because neither Peter nor Val speak Spanish. Um, however, they might, uh, they might have a special guest on instead of Val for hosting. We'll, we'll see who that is. But um, anyways, uh, check out 40k Stat Center, uh, and then of course check out Chapter Tactics at your normal time, um, because that's also going to go up as well. Because we're gonna have a double dose of Chapter Tactics this week. So if you're listening to the Patreon, you have that to listen to. If you're listening to this afterwards, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, you can always email me frontlinegamingpdpop at gmail.com with any questions, 40k tournament related. If you have any TO questions, rules questions, anything like that. Uh, and then, of course, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash chapteracts, if you would like to support the channel. Thanks, Stephen, for coming on once again, man. It's been a pleasure to have you. Uh, and then Brandon as well. Thank you so much. And, of course, Val as well. Thank you for coming before the work. I have to get to work. Uh, and then uh, Stephen has to get on with the rest of his day. Uh, Pablo, thanks so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. It's been fun. Perfect. Thanks again, Stephen. Yeah, thank gals, you, mate. You guys and gals are the best listeners in the world, and as always, have a good one.